can't, I can't even hear you. Hold on, let me, uh, I gotta fix my audio right quick. Hold on. I don't know. I don't know why it does this. Okay, so let me get my audio to work. Never hear anything, man. I don't, I don't know why. Babe, you know how to work this Zoom. I cannot hear. Hello?
because my microphone was unmuted. I can't, I can't hear anything. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, just want to make sure you can hear me. Okay, I can hear you, but I can't. I can't seem to. I can't seem to hear everybody. Friday. Okay, I hear you. I hear you now. You hear me now? Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. I don't know. Maybe right, how, how you doing, man? How you guys? How you doing, there? Thanks for showing up, man. I appreciate it. I'm pretty well, man. I'm I'm glad to be a part of this. I've been I've been actually uh, looking for something like this for quite a while, man. I'm actually a truck driver, but I'm looking to transition into becoming an entrepreneur pretty soon. Oh, truck um, driver. Okay, where you located at? Are you here in Arizona? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in Arizona. I'm actually I live in Avondale. Avondale. Okay. On on the other side. On the other side. Yeah. Exactly. Maduro's in Chandler, Arizona. Mr. White, your uh, neck of the woods here. Well, I guess no using Gilbert, but uh, we're using yep. Cigar Place here in Maduro. I have Jamel Hill. He's getting ready to jump on. And yep. my okay. man Jared here. Oh, cool. There you go. Hey, oh, Boston. You know, we're here watching the game with Maduro's. Just enjoying ourselves. We're actually in the members section here now. In Maduro. Okay. Where, where you guys located at? Oh, uh, we're in Arizona. What part? Uh, we're in. The, I'm on the. Well, this is this. This is the. Um, this is in Chandler right now. We're in Chandler. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I used to live in Alatuki. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we over here in Chandler right now. We're just doing a uh, a digital herf. We're actually doing a tour of going to all the different cigar spots in uh, the Met Phoenix metropolitan area. So we went to, but. With the big sticks with the Puro cigar warehouse, but it is actually closed down. And what was the last one we did? Went to went to Embargo. Just went to Embargo in Phoenix. So we've been going to different um, different cigar bars, just testing them out, trying to get a different feel. Um, do you smoke cigars? Uh, my father-in-law tried to get me to do it, man. I'm not really into it too much. I'm not against them, but I just can't. I'm not really into them like that. Okay, yeah, it's something new for me too. I never was really into them. Uh, I think more and more I started meeting new people. You know, I started going and everyone just put out cigar. I'm just like, all right, uh, all right. You know, what I'm saying we just started checking them out, and so. Just with the community, with the network and everything that was going on, it was just like I got, I got to tap in and see what's going on. Uh, uh, cigar culture. And so when I finally jumped in, it was just man, it's amazing culture, a lot, a lot of good history about cigars. And so uh -huh. everyone used to have cigars. I just think when you're having a cigar, it just goes along good with conducting business. Right, right. Yeah, I've heard that a lot as well. Yeah, so I was uh, looking back at all the pictures and looking, you know, everyone back successful was on Cigar Sufficionado, you know, have a cigar, you know. And so a lot of these uh, meetings and meet and greets and stuff like that takes 
uh, and these calm business conversations usually happen over a cigar and a drink. Uh, today, I'm not drinking today. Um, I'm actually having me some water. <laughs> trying okay. to stay hydrated today. Okay. So Nick jumped out. Oh, we have one person jumping on here. One, let me add them. No, I'm back on, brother. I just had to finish up. Had to finish my first meal of the day after having a lot of these meetings. So, okay. <clears throat> uh, Galaxy S10e. Can you hear me? Yes, you. So this is what my, my smoke for tonight. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's the Gurkha. It smells amazing. It smells amazing. You smoking you smoking today, Nick? I'm smoking the black and mild because we don't have cigar shops open right now in California. Um, <laughs> oh, well, no, yeah. but 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 no, I do have a Cuban that my buddy got for me a while back. I haven't broke that open. I'm breaking that open in two more weeks. So. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and... 40th. But for 40th, they're going to be the four zero. Four zero, man. That's cool. What part of California you in? I'm in the Bay Area, so um, San Francisco area. Okay, that's cool. I'm from, I'm from Southern California. I'm from L.A. Uh, Oakland. Okay, definitely. Yep, Oakland. Oakland. Yep. Oh, so he know a little something about Pittsburgh and all of that. Yeah, he told me right. right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm in Brentwood, so mm -hmm. he, right out in Brentwood. Yeah, he definitely out there. Yeah. Oh, one second, we're still getting together here. I don't know who the last person is. Maybe they might say something. Maybe we might not. But uh, how you guys doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, man. Um, this is actually my first time getting on this uh, the meetup, so I'm okay. looking forward, to, you know, doing some networking and stuff and meeting, you know, other black businessmen that are pretty solid. I'm looking forward to that. Um, definitely in the right spot. Definitely in the right spot, Larry. Definitely in the right spot. Usually we, we were having these at um, at Puro in Chandler, but because of the pandemic, it shut everything down. So we're actually getting a lot of momentum going on. With the cigar, uh, with, with meeting up at Puro, but since everything's shutting mm -hmm. down, and we didn't want to have everyone um, coming to one location and have and take the risk of someone leaving with COVID, so we're just like, hey, we just got to select the people here that feel comfortable meeting, and then uh, now we're now trying to incorporate the, the Zoom. This be our digital herb here. Okay. Fine. Okay. One second. We're gonna to switch to your side. I get to sit up here. Get my man Jamil here. Man, okay. Man, it's definitely a blessing to meet each one of y'all. Yes, sir. As soon as the world's uh, pandemic uh, propaganda pandemic settles down, we can actually get. <laughs> 
it's real, you know, physical fellowship. But until then, we're gonna use these amazing electronic devices and all this wonderful science to our advantage. You know, can't stop. Watching. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man. And so, who who is who can't get a get a cigar right now, man? You didn't tell me you go online and shop for none, or you what happened, man? You just ran to the corner store, got your black and mild. Yeah, just went to the corner store, grabbed one. Um, I, next time, I promise. Next time, it's just long days at work. Unfortunately, working from home and having to decompress, and not always having that time. <laughs> hey, look, a black and mild is still considered a cigar, even though it's machine. <laughs> You know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's okay, you know what I'm saying, we're going to rag on you because, hey, you, you do it, be doing, you know what I'm saying. When I'm smoking right now, because uh, we're at uh, Maduro's, and it's black owned and operated. Uh, brother, yes, this is one of his house sticks, and I don't know if y'all can see that logo with that, with that feel, yeah. you know. It's the pharaoh. This is a, and this is a Puro uh, of, uh, of, of Honduran uh, tobacco. So uh, in, in a binder wrapper, uh, a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, uh, man, and this is it's about to taste amazing. So, so this is what I got featured going on tonight, pairing it with, and some cigars, they pair great with a white wine. So we got a little Chardonnay, yep. in us, you know, jumping off, man. So yeah, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we gonna sit back and enjoy ourselves, man. Chop it up, talk a little game, you know, talk a little shit, swallow a little spit, you know, make sure everybody's on one accord, man, and, and try to bring some value to each other, you know. So, uh, we got a brother that's uh, showing up that we really wanted to feature uh, for tonight's interview uh, on the blog. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> man, if he don't show up, I mean, you know, we just gonna do, you know, what comes natural. And that's, you know, putting it all together, you know, and discussing the business, discussing solutions, you know, and uh, making sure we're getting rid of the spider instead of just sweeping away the cobwebs. Because, you know, don't nothing get done with sitting there, you know. So, man, but uh, anyway, you know, we always drop in, you know, do a promo drops of our product. So I'm going to tilt the camera, man, because I'm Jamel D. Hill with hashtag DBWT. Don't be wasted talent. An up-and-coming movement for life coaching and mentorship of anybody of any age. Because when you're really serious about your life, don't waste your talent, man. So I got the merch. Uh, doing the little classes pretty soon. Getting ready to co-author a book with Thurston. You know, so yeah, man, we're trying to make some serious moves and make some impact and influence, man. I'm also uh, coaching high, I coach high school football at South Mountain uh, High School out here in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, so we, we making we make some, we make some stank, man. We making some stank. So hopefully he got me connected, man, so I could jump on Oh yeah, and I could give him his toy back. Here. <laughs> hey. Oh, man, this one, this one right here for like a shot. I just like I take a shot of bourbon right now. Oh. <laughs> oh, this one is actually a strong one here. Yeah, I usually like to get the ones with, with some flavor. With I don't like the uh, the, uh, the the other type of cigars here. That one that they don't taste like nothing. You know, I'm still baby into the cigar round here. We're still growing uh, more and more and more. Getting my whole background with the knowledge of the cigars, and so. Um, I like to get one that tastes like something, you know, has a sweet, creamy, but just the one that leather, 
floral, like, uh, I'm kind of nutty, nutty, woodsy cedar. Uh, I don't want to smoke something like that for me right now. Oh, okay, boom. All right. I think my microphone is doing trouble. AirPods. Just to speak on here. earphones. All right. Well, you might have to do this. You might have to, uh, since we're me and you are so close, you might have to just unmute yourself when you're speaking. Yeah, so we don't have the background. Uh, so like Jamil is on here. I'm on here. I think you have some good light. I also bought my uh, my box light too as well, my soft light as well. If it got too dark, cause we've been doing these at a couple of places. Mind you wait. No, no, you're good, man. Okay. Ron gets me shit all the time because my battery I'm always plugging in and stretching out a tiny foot. Right. Like, well, Ron, money was tight this month, right? So I could have either paid my uh, my rent here mm -hmm. or bought a battery from my laptop. <laughs> 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 what you right. uh, and then what I'll do, I'll, I what I usually like to do is do a. Are oh, you jump off? Okay. Oh, okay, you are on. I'm just listening to the views here. Yeah. I uh, usually like to do a a view of the cigar bars that we are at. So I'm gonna jump in here. I think you might have lost Larry here. I don't know if y'all can see everything here. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Yep, I can hear you. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, you're in the, I know exactly where you're at, too. Makes you me miss Arizona a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why would things got going? So. But then again, Arizona looks a lot. The same. Yeah, yeah. What what street are you off of? Uh, I am off of uh, Alma School in Chandler Heights. Alma School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where where I was staying at when I was out there last time recently. So we're out here in the humidor. Oh, yeah. Yep. Very nice little humidor here. And then always get the outside, so we're actually in the member section. Yeah. 
So I think, oh, Larry might have jumped off. So I hope he's all right. Oh, magic code? Yeah. That's the man for the code here. How you get back in line? So how you doing, Mr. White? I'm doing good, man. You know me. <clears throat> Just getting ready for everything, all that good stuff. Okay. So, hey, did you see uh, what happened today with the explosion? Yeah, that was um, – that's huge because we have sites out there too. And so still no, really still no, it's a lot going on with that explosion to be honest with you. It just, it's a lot. Yeah. I keep on saying, someone see, uh, keeps saying this is fireworks. Say again? I keep on uh, hearing that it was fireworks that went on. Yeah, it was fireworks. It, 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 looked like, it looked like fireworks. And you can actually see it from a lot of people from the WhatsApp. They were actually showing what it looked like, like in real time when they were seeing it. And um, it, it, it was kind of insane. It felt like another 9-11 they were seeing within the area. So, yeah, more to come from it. Yeah, I'll definitely get some more information and stuff like that about what happened with that. That was just came out of nowhere. You just had to explode in some of that crazy for what? And... Um, the way that uh, it hit, uh, when you really, when you look at it, it looks more as though it was like some type of uh, like sonic sonic blast. Because uh, yeah. like several years, you know, military has been testing you know different types of, of weapons, especially dealing with things of sonic uh, potential. Uh, because the way that blast radius hit. It was already on fire from whatever had, you know, exploded or started burning. But then when you look at the video even close, all you see, you see this flash of white, you know, and then next thing you know, you got this blast radius that pretty much shocked the whole entire of downtown Beirut, you know, um, back in, in the 80s, you know, um, it like well, shortly before I got joined in the military, man, it was a whole lot of testing on many different types of weapons and a, a carryover from MK Ultra and some of the other experimental stuff that they was doing. So, man, there really ain't no telling if this was some type of ballistic, you know, that they were using with either sound frequency or with something that was already uh, implanted internal because uh, some of what happened, when you look at it, uh, understanding how implosions happen you know, it seemed like it actually collapsed on itself and then gave out, you know, last radius. So it, it, it ain't no telling, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be something crazy, you know, in the news when they get to report, you know, we're gonna have two sides, what really happened and then what, you know, what they want us to believe happened. So it, it, it's devastating. It's, it's, a, it's a serious tragedy, man. There's a lot of people that, 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 that got hurt, you know, and, and seen for no reason. You know, so I, I hope it's something that, you know, can be dealt with and it doesn't start any type of international conflict, you know, because that's the last thing, you know, we need right now. Yeah, that's true. So, Nick, I know who you are. Do you want to do a brief introduction of, your, you know, your name, you know, a little bit about what you do and what brings you to the Smoking Sip Digital Hearth today? Yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. Um, so I'm Nicholas White. Um, 
I'm the director of engineering uh, for a biopharmaceutical company. Um, been doing that probably for the past, what, three and a half years now, looking at three and a half years. Um, I actually, my expertise is actually building smart buildings and really the overall design and concept of being able to go into a building, be able to check your chillers and your air handlers directly from your phone, but then more importantly, to provide that, that data of um, what that customer experience looks like, but more importantly, um, blending everything together. So some things I do work on is building lead, lead efficient buildings, but then also um, starting to look at a new term called biomimicry, having your buildings actually function like living organisms. Um, part of it for me, I, I, the other things that I do do, I, I work for, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm huge impact. I try to be a huge impact for my community because I am originally from the Bay Area. And so coming back was really one of the most important things. Um, being able to provide and, and be able to make the impact that I do. So I partner up with a lot of organizations such as Year Up, um, which is an organization that helps build that opportunity gap um, for, for, young, for young minorities, but really let's, let's call, it what we, call it what it really is. It's young black men, you know, from the ages to 18 to 24 um, and really trying to get them involved into the tech industry, but then also um, start creating those type of positions um, for our black and brown um, counterparts that are out there because I think that's really important that we really start selling that message because, like I said, I, I work right in the gateway to Silicon Valley, and um, you really don't have – you don't really see a lot of that diversity and inclusion. What you really see nowadays is, is um, it, it's pushed out regentrification, so most people that are in those areas – have been pushed out to the suburbs, but not can't afford to get back in. So we create those opportunities um, for that group. So I mentor a lot of the young adults that come into that group. What brought me to um, your, your Zoom and your and your smoke and sip for one supporting you. I've been uh, I've been I've been rolling with you probably for the past ten years. And um, for one, just just a hell of an entrepreneur, hell of an entrepreneur mindset, and and always like when you want to bring out you like to bring out the best in people. And so me wanting to come on, I just really wanted to be here to support you. And, you know, and, um, although I'm 750 miles away, just love to hear what you got to say here today. Ooh, appreciate it. I, uh, since I'm on here, my name is Thurston M. Smith. I am the author here of the book, uh, 15 Tips Here, How to Unleash New Man Within You to promote my book or is it a promo? Uh, I, oh, the internet is unstable. Well, come on, internet, get it together. So I'm a speaker. I am a consultant. I have my own business. I'm doing a lot of things in the community. Um, I have a profit on New Black Elite. I have my business partner here, Jamil. Here we have started Smoking Sip, which is a consulting slash networking business that basically embodies the whole cigar culture because when every time i look at the magazine for cigar aficionado it always has a cigar and this is where the lot of the high level conversations have with everyone where you can come in here to a cigar bar and you can be sharing a stick here with a ceo cfo a director and a lot of times when you are 
coming into an organization, you don't really have that access to these people. So I feel when you have it here at a cigar bar, this is a well-recognized thing here that a lot of people do. And so we can get some really good, uh, really good communication, I mean, really good contacts and get to know somebody here. And plus the cigar culture is definitely, definitely very interesting, knowing where all the cigars come from. You ready to do your intro video? Yeah. Yeah. We follow up uh, that intro um, with my business partner, Thurston Smith, man, who I'm very thankful for meeting. Uh, we uh, crossed paths uh, many years ago uh, as uh, coaches uh, for youth football, uh, and we had you know, made uh, uh, a declaration that we were going to once, you know, work together, you know, at some point, you know, but it, it hasn't happened. And then uh, by chance uh, through um, another uh, organization, which our memberships was temporary with that one, we actually crossed paths again. And we just, we just got determined like, nah, man, this is it. This has got to be a sign. We were supposed to do something together. So, Let's make it happen. So, but anyway, as uh, I introduced myself earlier, you know, just uh, talking a little shit, uh, I am Jamel D. Hill, uh, creator of hashtag DBWT, Don't Be Wasted Talent. Uh, it's a mentoring and life coaching program for anyone of any age who's really serious about getting their life together. Uh, I have a nonprofit organization that is uh, uh, for youth base. Uh, which is YDTR LLC, Youth Dreams to Reality. Uh, I also am the creator and developer of Flavorful Life Seasonings and Spices, uh, which is a unique blend of uh, seasoning and spice cocktails for any dish, whether it's barbecue, grilling, meats, vegetables, uh, making rice, potatoes, you name it, I got something for it that's going to give it a flavorful profile that's out of this world. And stuff that I have tastes nothing like what's on the market. Uh, and also in my repertoire, I am a coach, uh, football, basketball, uh, and, and track, uh, certified personal trainer. Uh, and I do training programs under MBSA Incorporated, uh, which is Mind, Body, and Soul uh, Athletics Incorporated, giving you 360 degrees of athletic training from the mind all the way down to the body and the mind. and the spirituality of it being the most important part, you know. Um, been a partner with uh, Thurston uh, for over a year now, right? Yeah, yeah almost, yeah. Yeah, here's yeah. some change. Uh, developing Smoke and Sip, uh, which is a business networking organization for uh, cigar enthusiasts and cigar aficionados who are entrepreneurs and business owners or people in position uh, of powerful impact and influence uh, because everybody doesn't always uh, have the ability or the wherewithal to be business owners or to follow their entrepreneur spirit but those that have careers in high power positions can do something to change and impact someone else's lives and those are the people that we strive to connect with and to do things with and to help work with and give them the support uh, because they also need it as well. Um, because every just like playing chess, every piece and every pawn has a purpose. And when you have a purpose, you have to make sure that your purpose is carried out 
with the greatest intent and the highest of determination and also discipline because that leads you to using your skills and your talents in the means of your purpose to stay on the journey of your destiny and which is to achieve your ultimate greatness of who you are and what you are to this divine universe because everyone is a special gift the problem is many of us don't unwrap the gifts that we are to present ourselves to this divine world that we live in so you are actually cheating someone out of the great experience of who you are what you are and what you have to offer so with that i introduce myself hashtag dbwt don't be wasted talent All right, appreciate it, Jamel, for that wonderful, wonderful intro. He definitely sets it off when he does the intro, I must say. He definitely sets off the intro. Set the tone here. Oh, and I, I always uh, like my cigar first. He's, you know, because he complains so, so much. I was, uh, I was waiting to see if he was going to like first. But, man, as usual, creature of habit. <laughs> right. And also, we do have, I got to switch to you, Jared. Brief. I just had to follow all that and I'm trying to watch this game, but I'm Jared, owner of Neighborhood Furniture. And that's it. My bad. My bad. I'm the boss of games on that. Y'all about to lose, man. This is what happens when you got, you know what I'm saying, down south Louisiana brothers. You know, that like Boston, they don't know how to act. They don't know how to act. <laughs> yeah, Boston's an interesting town. I agree. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. So, um, let me see. So, with, with everything going on here with the pandemic and COVID-19, um, one thing that I've been asking a lot of people, entrepreneurs, is just like, has your business has to pivot, you know, because of the of COVID-19. I mean, speaking, um, just speaking about our business, we used to have it at a different local, we used to have it at a different location, but because of the pandemic, we had to shut that down, but didn't want to shut everything down. And because we were uh, also building momentum, we didn't want to let that just fall down, back down the side. So we, we pivot and we found another location, so more, actually more locations to go and test out. And so now what we're doing, on this tobacco talk Tuesday, tobacco talk, tobacco, tobacco talk Tuesday is that we're going to all the different cigar bars here in the metropolitan area and doing what we're doing right now. Usually we have it with more people, but now we're going to try to go ahead and do the digital and try to connect with people all over the world. And then for uh, mm -hmm. selected individuals that we know personally that are not sick. Um, they can definitely meet with us here at the location. So that's why we invited Jared here um, and Jamel are here next to me. So, you know, I know these people. I'm working with them daily on different other projects. And so they agreed to meet with us here and they're not sick. <laughs> Point that out there. Like, hold on, I, ain't, I ain't risking it all for the interview. Like, Everybody's in the social bubble. I get it. <laughs> oh, he's in a sit. I'm sorry, no, no, no symptoms. No symptoms. So that, that's what we're doing right now. So Nick, well, with your company, is anything has anything changed? Are you working from home or do you still got you going to the office? 
Um, no, um, I, I work from home. Um, and, and, and yeah, our business has definitely changed. Right. And we, um, um, the way that we're actually looking at our whole different, we're looking at a whole different model right now, which is actually really impressive because it was setting, you know, actually a year and a half ago before this actually happened. Um, we kind of, I kind of called it out in front of all of our executives. Does it really make sense to have all this real estate at the end of the day? And by the way, you having a lot of the real estate, you know, are we really solving for a lot? And, and, and really do we need to start looking at how we shift to a different business model? And so COVID is really, believe it or not, it's been a, been a gift and a curse, right? Because one, you know, one piece of it, you know, as being a capital team lead, I built a building within three years that you really want people to enjoy for the, for the overall experience, right? But then on the other end of it is that now you can't have people enjoy it because now people are not able to go into work and you have to shift. You have to actually be very, we had to be very agile of how we actually bring people in. You know, considering the fact that we had a building of close to about 500 in one location, now you're only looking at close to about 135. It, it, it's definitely different. From a savings perspective, though, you're, 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 we're really actually making, we're actually really making out pretty well, believe it, which is, which is weird. But, you know, because you, if you look at everything from, like, the utilities and also from the energy costs, and you're saving more money by not having people in the building and having them work from home, it, it makes sense. But has it been different for me overall? Yes, it has. Um, I, I was used to traveling. You know, I think every other week I was in another state or in another country. And um, being at home for the past six months will drive you crazy. But at the end of the day, what I've learned, you know, it's like I said, it's a blessing and a curse because now I get to know who my daughters are also. Being at home, I get to really spend really that quality time, really figure them out, and also realizing that they're really – um, they're huge negotiators. They're really good negotiators. And, I, and, and one day I can get them. If I can get them back into school, that's one of the things I would tell our, um, our, our, our teachers there is that, you know, that's, that's really important there that, you know, they do a really good job at it. Okay. Okay. I thought, thought, thought we had uh, connection issues. Yeah. Sorry. Other phone was ringing. My apologies. But no, it, um, and I would also say that, you know, as, as what do we've learned even from businesses, because one of the things that we do, we bring in a lot of small businesses and help them grow um, within certain sectors. And this, this year was supposed to be huge. And um, what we've had to do differently is that, yeah, you still bring in these small business, you still bring in a lot of these small business partners that you want to partner up with, but now you have to get them to strategize a little bit differently, you know, um, and, 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 um, and getting them to strategize a little bit differently there is really asking them to do certain things, right? Is really how do they plan to actually give you an overall strategy of what's going to look like as far as their site? Um, how are they going to actually be able to maintain bringing people into the building? Do you have enough coverage? So it's gotten different, definitely. Okay. Yeah, definitely has been uh, something interesting for myself, even with my, my job that I work at now, working from home. So it, it, it was, I, I work pretty far away from the office, so it was good for me because I don't got to take that drive every day. It was like at least about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour every day, you know, each way. So that's two hours I can get back in time. And then on top of that, you know, the kids definitely love the fact that they can see me more, you know. So yep. going downstairs on my break and I can just peek in and see what my kids are doing and they can run up to me and dad we can uh, schedule lunches and do lunches together 
and then also in my last break, I was objecting. So I'm constantly aware of being present in my home and seeing things that I thought were being done in my home when I wasn't there. And now it's like, okay, yeah. so you really don't get out of bed until two o'clock. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You really don't really yeah. start the day until 11.30. You know what I'm saying? After I leave back at eight, you know, I can see that, okay, now you were just basically uh, went coasting. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. So, um, we, so what, what are you working on right now? You ain't working on anything personally, Nick? Um, per, about working on anything personal? Yeah, personally. Uh, personally, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, for me, it, it's setting up some new goals, right? Okay. Um, for me, like 40 is a big number for me, and the only reason why 40 is a big number um, is because a lot of people that I, I grew up with either are, are not – they're not able to enjoy 40 because they're somewhere else, and they're, 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 they're locked up in um, – and then also, more importantly, you know, my brother passed away when I was much younger and I was my older brother. And so me looking at 40, yeah, you're still young. But personally, what I'm looking at trying to do is that I've started to take on more of a role of, of being a person that that's really going to start looking out for my own and since I'm in the position that I'm in. Right. And, and, and what I mean by that is that, you know, since all these things were happening, like, you know, with, with the injustices of happening throughout the United States, which is nothing new, right? It's nothing new whatsoever. But what, what it's done for me, it's actually sparked a different type of, of flame for me to where, you know what, I, I see what these young, I see what younger, what my younger generation is going through when they're actually getting into the workforce and not being acknowledged in these areas of diversity. So now I'm really trying to push it forward. You know, I'm pushing it forward more than ever, having really uncomfortable conversations with like um, with real leaders that can actually drive change in that and asking the questions about where is the accountability at. And, um, and if we're saying that we're going to do this, I don't need you to check it off of a sheet saying that you're doing it. I really need you to really understand that it's not it's not more of a moment that I'm looking at, but I'm really looking at what's going to be the movement and you have the opportunity to really define what that actual what that actual movement looks like within the organization. So personally, I'm taking that on. I'm really starting to take down that more. I'm sorry, I'm taking that that plan or the discussion and putting a future tense on it uh, to where we're not um, we're not just dealing and putting a bandaid on a situation, but we're actually creating solutions. Yes. <laughs> Say again to that last part. So actually uh, not not creating a band-aid, uh, but you're actually creating solutions of, for longevity. Correct, correct. Because I, I, what I've seen is that, in, in, especially in corporate America, right, you see everybody, oh, you know, we got to take this stand. And then, and then, then the ones that are very uncomfortable want to reach out to you and say, well, hey, Nick, what do you think about it? And I've been very open and vocal. I'm the wrong person to ask because if you ask me, I'm going to give you what I really feel. And I'm not sure whether or not you're going to want to print it or you're going to tell me, that, you know, you, you can leave today. But I'm going to tell you since you asked me now. And, and I, I think that you're so right because a, a lot of the organizations that like, I'm, I'm having these talks with um, inside my organization, outside, it's all about what can I do now? Because when they think about now, they're thinking about stock prices going down. They're thinking about the market being shaky because other countries are looking at us 
of saying, well, we don't want to really want to deal with you because you got bad publicity of how you deal with certain things. And, 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 it's, and, and you're right. It's so much of that Band-Aid because it's more of a let's try to do some damage control as opposed to really let's get into this problem. Let's figure out what this route is and, and really start solving. And I'm really trying to get this, these groups to start seeing past that now. No, so no, we definitely can, uh, can appreciate that answer. And one of the things that you said is, you know, when they, during those uncomfortable conversations, you know, they sometimes look to the people uh, that are, uh, or whether they will assume, you know, is more uh, aware and more uh, in depth uh, with what's going on, yeah. which, you know, most of the times is, is true, but it's also an assumption uh, because, you know, dealing mm -hmm. with the corporate America, many of us, you know, that work in corporate America, uh, my wife, you know, she just uh, retired uh, from American Airlines. Uh, and one of the things that was discussed heavily was the duality of your life and your existence, you know, within a company, and especially a corporate setting, you know, not just the airport yep. itself, but also within the office setting and in the corporate offices, you know, as well. Um, dealing with those things, you know, you are so focused on keeping my uh, keeping my job, you know, job security. You're heavily yep. focused on making sure you're politically correct. You're heavily focused on, you know, towing the line because you know you're pretty much one foot in the grave, one foot out of the grave, depending on which way yep. the wind is going to blow, you know. And especially in corporate America, where a lot of change and evolution is happening daily, you know, you can be considered expendable at any moment, you know. So in dealing with that, what what has been your main approach or one of your approaches to keep the status quo without ruffling a lot of feathers, but still telling the truth that needs to be told and telling it to the ears that need to hear it? For me, it's been, I, I've been doing it very intentionally. But I do it in a way um, to where I've always done this throughout my career is that I've always had the mask. And, and this is something that what you were saying, you're one foot in and one foot out. You're always having the mask because if I, I know if I say it this way, it's going to trigger somebody because and then next thing you know, it's going to it's going to end up hurting me in the long run. So what I what I usually do is that especially when it's an idea of, of, of something that is really going to provoke a lot of thought and provoke a lot of change. The good thing about it is, is that from, from my, my work speaks for itself. So then that way, when I go out and talk to other people to influence and have them be an ally, but more importantly say, hey, I need you to talk about some of the things that we talked about, because I know it comes from you. People may, it may have some more, may have more value from it, but I need you to do it this way right now. And, um, and, and, and so, it, it, like, a lot of the people in my, in my group call me, they say, like, Nick, you're like the Oz. Because what I do is just I'll, I'll play puppet master sometimes and say, I need this person to say this, this way, in, in, in order for me to get the reaction from everybody to say, yeah, there's, there's times that, that we need to change. So the way I, what I've been doing throughout this time is really influencing a lot of my business partners that are out there and getting them to speak up and then getting them from getting them to speak up talk about what's going to be the accountability because you already recognize it's a problem. 
So what are we going to do now about this problem? All right. And, and, and I, since you have an organization of, of full of 500 people, I have an organization close to about 300. I can, I can initiate my change easily because this is what I want, but I need you to do the same things in that way within an organization, they can see that we're aligned, but more importantly, they can see that we're, we're all um, on, on the same, uh, same forefront there. No, I, I dig that. I dig that. What, here's, here's something that, that I'd like to ask. And with most of everything, and we talk about, you know, on this subject of uncomfortable conversations and everything and corporate America and pretty much just around the world in general, especially with the injustices, how much of it is the solution an economic solution? So I think I would say close to about 80% of it's an economic solution if you go all the way back, right? Um, I would even, I would say economic solution, but more importantly, it, 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 it's really 80% of it, but I think you need to also go back and say, this is deeply embedded. And like, like I've told people amongst in organizations is that you're not going to fix it. Like it's not going to be you that's going to fix it. It's going to be you starting a discussion with your family members, right? With your young kids and your grandchildren to start righting your wrongs. And, and, and more importantly, you know, from the fine, but, but that's that one piece because that's that piece that's already embedded in somebody. Once they already have a preconceived condition of them being an anti-racist or being anti-black, it, it, it's already conceived and it goes down the line. And for those same people that are in their mid forties or fifties or even older, for them to understand why they are the way they are, they have to go to the grave and ask those questions because they're not going to be able to get those answers no more because it's already being embedded in them. But from an economic standpoint, yeah, it, it definitely stems from an economic aspect. And, and really, it, you know, it, it starts off even with the schools, right? With the schools, they don't really prepare us as we should be prepared. I talked to a lot of groups about this, right? Is that, you know, one of the things that I do see a lot of is that there's a in certain school districts, unfortunately, there's a big disconnect of telling, of telling a kid of color, even if they're in a all-white school, they'll tell a kid of color, you're better off going to a junior college as opposed to looking through an HBCU first, right? And, you know, and, and getting them through like a clear line of a flat path. And, and I'm one of those kids because I went to all-white school at one point. And, and what I really noticed is that I had a higher GPA than most people, had a higher SAT score, but due to the fact that my parents didn't have a lot of money and I ended up going to school there, oh, he's only good just to go to a junior college. And, 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 and because of that, I think that creates some of those economic situations because it's already letting you know that the, the, the ceiling, I mean, you already have the ceiling that you're going to be able to reach up to, right? It, they don't tell you that sky's the limit for some people. They just say, well, you can, if you got a scholarship, you can do this and work your way through it with the scholarship or, you know, nobody really talks to, like, and for me being a young black engineer, for one, nobody really talks to me when I say I'm an engineer. And then when I tell them what school I went to for engineering, it, they're still puzzled as if my degree is not as valuable as somebody who probably went to a school that didn't have a strong engineering uh, background, but because they're, they're somebody of different color, uh, somebody of a different race it already puts me behind the eight ball. And um, that's why I said from an economic standpoint, it, it's, really, it's really embedded in people because the ones that are actually out there doing the hiring 
they're hiring the ones that they trust. They're, you know, and, and, and when you trust the ones, when you trust the ones that you, you can, it's hard for me to trust somebody if all I know is this is what I think about with somebody who is of color. This is what I know of them. This is what I understand of them. It, it's so tough for you to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance to ensure that, you know, if this person can get there. So I hope that answered it, though. Most of the things are going off of uh, some of those um, stereotypes uh, that have been in place, even though many of the stereotypes that are in place are false narratives, but so many have bought into them. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you, you, uh, the, the ceiling, um, because we all know that in many organizations and even in dealing with finance, there's a ceiling, you know, there's an earning ceiling, there's a hiring ceiling, there's a promotional ceiling. Uh, in dealing with the topic of a ceiling, how do we break that ceiling? How do we bust through the ceiling to create the equality across the board? You know, kind of like, you know, how you're watching a game, you know, and you, you're looking at the referee and he'll call a foul on this one or he'll call a foul on that player and everybody's in the stand screaming, come on, ref, call it both ways, right? What, 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 what in your opinion, what do we get? What do we, what do we need to do to bust that ceiling to break down that ceiling to where there's some equality and everybody can get that slice of the pie that they deserve? So it's a good question. And, 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 and what, I, what I've looked at and what we talk about often is um, you, you, a lot of companies are now starting to talk about it now. They're now starting to talk about it. Um, but there are a lot of corporations, right, um, from a top, top level, they have these scorecards, right? And these scorecards are, are basically how you perform within the organization. What a lot of people don't realize is that some of those scorecards actually have diversity. How much diverse talent are you actually bringing in to executive roles? Right? Are you bringing in a certain amount, and are you actually hitting that amount, whether if it's if it's women or if it's people of color? There's actually a certain metric. What we need to start challenging people that are in these roles um, for talent acquisition, and also from talent acquisition all the way from the HR, but then also to C-suite executives. Right? You got to start challenging them of saying, okay, how, how, what's diversity really actually mean if your scorecard? Is it weighted at 3%? Because if it's at 3%, I can still hit 90% and I can still hit a bonus at the end of the day because all I need to do is have this certain specific number. But also you got to start challenging them with bringing in, if you need to innovate, and um, I, I say this often within my group, is that the only way that you're going to innovate if you start finding really diversity. And I mean, when I say diversity, you're looking at all backgrounds. You're looking at all shapes and creed, people who think differently. That's the only way a business can grow. You got to be able to step outside of your box because that old business model that we see today, it, that's why it's starting to crumble right now. This old way of thinking, people are tired of it. And, and, and we need the people that are sitting in those, those seats to start recognizing that are in these in these positions that have been in these companies have been so seasoned and, and, and to realize that hey you know what my scorecard is only saying I, I only need five percent diversity so that means so if we if we if we do math on it right we say five percent and you got about sixty thousand plus within your organization all you have to have is just five percent diversity across the globe that means you can actually hit your number just about everywhere. So where where and really it would be 
it, it's, it's, I want to say it's close to about 3,000, 3, give or take. My math ain't always, always the best, but it's about like 3,000 people, give, it, give or take, right? Give or take, you need about 3,000 people of cover to, color to be in an organization, but not at an executive position, but you have them somewhere right in that position to say, you know what, I checked that box, right? But we got to challenge even more. We need to say, all right, you got, you got this 5%. You got, you got close to this. But what have you done from a diverse way of thinking? Because what I've noticed that we're only recruiting from these schools. Why are we only just recruiting to these schools? How come we didn't tap into like a Hampton University's engineering program? How come we didn't tap into a Southern University's engineering program? That's where a lot of the organizations miss it. They choose not to tap into these organizations to really be able to fill the diversity gap because a lot of these HBCUs, one, one good thing about it is they want to help fill your diversity gap. But when you, when you go into certain locations, they, it's not happening. Um, another thing I'll say is that what I've noticed, right, um, um, just about a couple of years ago, I was at, um, uh, I was at a conference in, um, in Detroit. And, and this was actually for the National, National Black MBA Association. And, and when I kid, I kid you not, when I was there, the representation of us was literally, it was about 40 to 50% of us, right? Everybody else was there getting, um, jumping on that moniker to say, you know what, I wanted to be here. I want to show how, how culture diver and they're getting jobs, but it's not enough of us getting jobs. So then that way, when we're saying, hey, we're hitting all these places to say, yeah, we're looking for the diversity. But then when you look at the resume and you look at which, who you're hiring, it's not what that representation says of where you were at with this conference. So we have to really start doing better. But then also, it, you know, it, it, really, it really goes with, I would say, even, you know, even us. We, we like, even me, like, for instance, I, I will say up front, I, I went to a college that was predominantly white when I could have probably went to Tuskegee. And, and, and why? Why did I feel like I needed to do that? Is because I felt that was the only way I was going to be able to get ahead. If I, if I was able to get ahead, I was able to network, not realizing that this preconceived condition that I was put in of saying, hey, you know what, you go here, you know, you never, you never know. You can actually learn how to be a CEO. You can learn how to be a, a smart serial entrepreneur. But we, we just don't give ourselves those chances because we shoot ourselves in the foot because we don't, we don't automatically assume that these things are going to happen for us. Um, yeah, that, 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 that is pretty awesome. Here's, give, give, me, give, me, give me your take on this, uh, going back to something else that you said when you talked about um, the, those, those, those special type of thinkers, those out-of-the-box types of thinkers. Uh, one of the things that I was listening to uh, on, a, on a podcast one um, and they mentioned A students and B students or below average students. And, and this was also in reference to many of the HBCUs as well. When you have the below average students and you look at most of the companies, especially uh, the companies that are doing great as e-businesses, uh, companies that are doing uh, great in the entertainment industry, uh, great in the, the arts and the sport industry. Many of those were the below average students, right? Um, uh -huh. The Elon Musk, right? 
Yep. Uh, the Virgin, uh, Virgin co uh, company, you know, which they have Virgin Airlines, you have Virgin Mobile, yep. have Virgin uh, everything, right? A lot of these guys were uh, high school dropouts at one point, college dropouts at one point. Uh, guys, um, I mean, shit, even take it back to, you know, Einstein, you know, just talking on, on these gentlemen um, who were considered to have learning disabilities and situations like that, right? Then you look at uh, brothers and sisters that have been uh, classified with having certain issues. And then you go to the A students, the students that, you know, were getting the, the, the good grades and doing everything and being disciplined. In the broadcast that I was listening to, they mentioned that many of the students that are the A students are the ones that end up working for the B students or the below average students because those are the ones that are highly disciplined and, and work hard to get the dream job that their parents and their community and uh, other elements of social engineering has programmed them to want to work for this company. Who I want to go and be an engineer over here. I want to go be a pharmacist over here. I want to be a chemist over here. I want to take my uh, computer uh, technology degree and I want to go do this. Oh, I'm a medical student. I want to go. I want to be a John Hopkins, right? What? Do we, give me, give me your thoughts on that, man. How much of that is really true? just from your experiences and do you, do, do you see that? Because for me personally, I definitely see it, you know, and just taking something that Elon Musk has said before, he said that I didn't go to Harvard or Yale or any of those colleges, uh, Ivy League colleges to get an Ivy League education, to get a PhD, but everyone that I had, the people's checks that I signed that worked for me, they did. You know, and dealing with it, the HBCUs, we are in that situation, but we have a lot of A students that are coming out of HBCUs, not starting their own companies, not starting their own businesses, not following an entrepreneurial spirit, not going back to the communities that they were born and raised in to develop or build or uplift. You know, and some of them are, are doing it. You know, some of them are, but it's a menial effort and it's a mediocre result. Well, give, give, give me your thoughts on that. How, how you feel about that? Is that something that you do see and have experienced? And is that something that is you, you're going through now or have gone through it in, in corporate America as an engineer? Yeah, so for me, um, I am actually a C student. And, 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 my, and one of my old professors used to tell me, C students manage A students. Right? And, and, and that's so true. C students manage A students. And what I would say, though, when you think about, when you, when you talk about some of the students that are at HBCUs, is we, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer of this, is that we need to start developing the same networks that you see from a Stanford, that you see from a Cal, you see Berkeley, you see from a Harvard. It, 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 it's really that network. You build, you build that network, right? You, you get one person in the door, and I think you're going to start seeing that more. With a lot of, a lot of the black CEOs that are out there. They're now going to. I got a lot of background noise. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think you see a lot of the students, right? I mean, a lot of the CEOs that I'm starting to notice, they're actually going 
and talking to these HBCUs to start building those networks now to start building those pipelines. I, I think that's really important. Um, and, and, and I think the reason why we do see mediocre, mediocrity is due to the fact that we're not building that own network and really develop, developing that network. Most people, when they think about certain, when they come out of school, yeah, it's always about the dream job, but some people don't think about what's that dream, what's that dream outcome really actually look like, right? I, and I'm somebody I can honestly say that I, when I first went to school, my goal wasn't to go to school for engineering. It was go to school, go to school for finance. And then, and then from finance, it went to international business. Then from international business, it went to mechanical engineering. Then from mechanical engineering, it said, okay, I think I'm better off as an industrial engineer. I think a lot of people, we don't give ourselves enough time to really get, let our brain develop and actually follow that, that IDM the ideation piece, but more importantly, the design thinking piece, right? The only difference is when a lot of people see it, when you look at, when you look at a lot of the people who are dropouts who became billionaires, all it is is that they, they, they found the network that they need to find, but they followed their dreams. Somebody believed in their dream. And then within that, they were able to flourish. We don't do that enough in our own community when, when, when a young brother, when a young brother or young sister has a great idea, we're quick to knock it. We're quick to knock it first, right? And, and we're quick to knock it and be like, oh, yeah, he ain't going to do that. Like, you know, or we'll find every other reason than, than really go out there and support, right? And, and, and I would say a lot of students, right, I've met that came out, like even recently, up until recently, even my nephew, who, who was part of it, who just graduated from Hampton, and um he came out with the mindset, all right, I'm going to get the career job and this is the career job I'm going to get and, and actually got it, but then realized that this is not for him. And, and I need, I need some support around my own people to really understand what I need to go build this dream and decided to do something different. It, it, it takes more people to really huddle around when they say it takes a village to raise a child. When they come out, it really takes a village for us to huddle around young entrepreneurs that really have the ideas and be ready to actually support them, right? Because there is a lot of money within our own black community. If you really look at the money that we actually spend, you know, compare money that we actually spend on when we look at apps on apps to actually live our life, there's a lot of apps that we just don't support with our own people just because we're quick to knock it. We already have that preconceived condition just to knock it. And um, when, so when young kids are coming out, you know, we really need to listen to their dream and their business plan. Maybe they may not have their business plan, business plan correct, but if, do you have a network to get their business plan tight? Because that's what, that's what Sir Zuckerberg did, right? When they, they had the idea, they just didn't have the, he, he initially didn't have all the right people to help formulate that business plan to be able to sell it to a venture capitalist. We, we have those same opportunities. We, we just, we're just so quick to say, oh, it's not going to work. Instead of saying it's not going to work, let's look at, all right, you got an idea. What do you want to do with this idea? Where's that? Where's the business plan look like? Who are you currently talking to? Are you building this network? Have you started reaching out here? Have you started, have you started researching here? Have you started looking at all these other options that, that are within your web to, to create the business platform that you're looking for? And once you do that, I think that's where we'll, we'll get into a better place there. I, I, I got something to say about that, too. Um, oh, my turn. Let's see here. Let's probably turn down. 
Okay. Yeah. I, well, well, for me being, the, I guess, the youngest one on here, you know, I, you know, me being the youngest one on here, I think that with a lot of people with younger generations, it's like they are thinking out the box and and exploring into some different ways of thinking that our older generation didn't get exposed to. So when we, if you would talk about like, hey, we want to go to space or I want to go to app, that completely flies over your head because you wasn't exposed to that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that we should be like to sit back and then just listen and learn and try to see how we can probably be involved in that too as well because you have the creative thinker, you know what I'm saying, that has this big grand idea, but still you have that the older person that knows how to the work ethic that comes with developing and taking that off the ground. So it should be a coming together between the two. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, your title might be engineer, but you're more than just the engineer. So you can add a lot of value to whatever the younger person dreams they wants to do. And just like, oh, that's what you want to do? You know, I might know someone that does that, or I can, you know, I can uh, bother some time and then help you with a couple of few things. But sometimes when you hear somebody, it's like, hey, I want to start this. It's like, oh, youngster, you got to. But then again, when you ask them for the receipts, they don't really have nothing to show you. And then so that creates that like, well, I'm trying to build, he's trying to destroy, but he talks about us coming together all the time, but you're not really paying attention to me when I come to you. You know, I guess the little thing I heard you say, it might be an Oakland thing. You know, I know you guys are both from Oakland. It might be an Oakland thing where it's like the white man's ice is colder, and I keep on hearing that a lot, and it just seems that. So when we come to get some information, and it's the way the information is relied to us, it's not in, in, a, in, a, in a positive growth manner to help grow. It's kind of like if I tell you something, it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's not like, oh, well, tell me more about that. Or it's not the questions to follow up with that is like, how are you going to get that off the ground? It's kind of like, oh, okay, I heard you. Yeah, okay. Anyway, back to this. All right, Katie. I think I think some of it also uh, goes to a, a, a fear uh, element as well uh, as accountability. Um, mainly, and the reason why I say a fear element is because many of our older generations were raised and also raised their children not to get their hopes up so high. You see what yep. I'm saying? And a lot of that was, it was, it, it was a, a, a protection, you know, uh, a mechanism uh, to protect our kids from being disappointed, to protect, you know, them from getting their feelings hurt and everything. But much of that fear transitions over to a lack of doing. Uh, because, you know, when you respond to someone who has an idea or comes to you with an idea or, or uh, is looking for advice or is looking for um, uh, some help and support, not an opinion, you know, and that's, that's the thing that many people need to get away from looking for opinions. We got to get off of opinions because you can't turn an opinion into anything. So uh, they are afraid to continue to present their ideas because of that fear of one rejection with that fear of support as well as you know the fear of not being able to sustain what they're uh, presenting and when i say that uh, meaning to maintain it you know like if i if i come to you with this um i may not have anything to follow up so i'm not even going to tell you uh, and also the fear of uh, if i tell you and i tell you too much you might be able to 
take what I've told you or shared with you and run with it. And now I have nothing, you know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. that's one of the things that even goes into accountability. Whereas when you said uh, many of the older, other generations, the older generations aren't listening to a lot of the younger generations in a method that they can actually learn something or they can go through this together. And with the experience of one added on to the, the uh, upcoming uh, experience or what you're getting ready to go through, you know, the accountability is lost and, and or, or, you know, and it's not even there because now it's like, we don't even want to deal with it. We don't even want to deal with each other, you know? So, and that's what I mean by that. You know, it could go even a little bit deeper, but, you know, just for the sake of, you know, the conversation right now, uh, I really feel, you know, well, from what Thurston has, has, has pointed out, a lot of it is coming from a fear but do you see it also as a fear on the other side of the person that's listening? Like, I'm afraid that what you got is going to be better than what I've come up with, or it's going to um, uh, put us in a position uh, that we may have to compromise our comforts, or we may have to compromise uh, something, or I may have to give up um, what I'm doing now and give more attention to you. Um, where uh, when you look at, you know, parents who live vicariously through their children, you know, whether through sports or their activity, or extracurricular activities that they do, many of the parents do live vicariously through their children. And that also affects some of the fear factors and elements and also the accountability, you know, because now it's like, I don't want to be accountable as the parent to do something for you to lift you higher because I'm still trying to chase my goals and my dreams without realizing that if I still continue to pursue my goals and my dreams and just attach them to what you have going on but push you forward, I can still accomplish what I'm trying to do. So that accountability, you know, comes into question again, you know, why don't you want to be, you know, responsible? Why don't you want to be, you know, that uh, ongoing parent 24-7, you know, and elevate, you know, what we got going on, you know? I mean, if, if, if that makes sense, you know, if, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense there. Um, and I would say, yeah, I agree. Um, we, I, I think it's really a condition that we, you're right, we were taught not, you know, don't get your hopes too high or don't count your chickens before they hatch. Right. And, and, and that, yeah, in, in a way, in a, in a, in a real way, I think that's what really staggers the whole process. I, I, I can only speak from my, on my end. Right. Um, because I really take on innovation and technology or any, just any good idea and really try to help somebody run with it. Even if I can't help you solve it, I'm going I'm to get you to the right person to where you're going to be able to figure it out. And, and I don't, but I think sometimes we look at it, if, if I help this person, is there a pot of gold at the end for me to make sure I help this person? And instead of just saying, let me connect you. And then if it works out for you, you know what? I'm proud that it worked out for you, you know, because that's still not, not that's not my lane, right? That may not be the lane that I'm actually trying to go into, but I know that's your lane. You know, we need to do more of that. I think we're always looking, a lot of people are just looking for the end result and saying, you know what, I, if I help this person and I, I take a little time out to help this person, there should be a cost associated to it. No, there shouldn't be a cost associated to it. It should be that you're a good person and you're morally sound. And, and, and at the end of the day, somebody is asking you for some help and where do they go? 
you should be able, if you have the right resource, and if you don't have the right, if you have the right resource, you should be able to connect that person and say, hey, you know what, let me connect you with him. You know, this is a good person to be able to do that with and not look for anything in return. Um, I think a lot of us don't do that enough. I think we don't do that because we're, we're afraid that if I help him, I'm not going to be able to get ahead. It's that keeping up with the junk. I'm not going to be able to keep up right now because now they have this idea and now they're going to be getting it. And, and it's, it, I, I, yeah, I, I can speak on my end on that piece. A good question. That was a really good question, though, because you're right. I, I, def I definitely see it a lot, you know, when I, you know, me, like I said, I've been to pretty much every uh, black organization here in Phoenix area, you know, you name them, I've probably been to a meeting or sat with a certain individual uh, about how we can come together, but it seems like they want you to just get under them and then fall in line and take orders instead of helping you build you up, you know, uh, well, I, I have to let them know a lot of times like, hey, I'm, a, I'm my own entity. You know, I'm already established. Yep. I got my paperwork. I'm here to uh, to come and see what y'all have going on and see how we can work together. And a lot of times I get a lot of pushback and it's just like, well, how, you know, do you know that and want to check your G files as far as, you know, your credentials and stuff like that. It's just like, hey, you know, I learned over here under grandmaster, whatever. And I also studied and went to school in business and learned business as well. And I'm an innovative thinker, you know what I'm saying? And I look at my, my position, you know, I'm, I'm always a, a barely passing student. You know, I was a barely passing yeah. student, but because of my drive, and that's something that they don't teach you, you know, drive to push, you know, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the, um, the quote, a talent, hard work out beats talent, but talent ain't working. And, and that's yep. pretty much that to me. And so looking at me, it's like, you know, Nick, you know my story. I worked from endless jobs, job to job, and I finally stuck with one yeah. thing, and I worked myself into a managing role. You know, say not having a degree, you know, say not going to all these yeah. big schools and stuff like that. I just basically got the knowledge and followed the blueprints as far as self-educating myself, you know, getting these books, learning about management, learning how to connect with people. And I think with a lot of these big colleges, they don't really teach you how to interact with people. Oh, and that's no. where they struggle. It's just like, you know, I, I got the, the IT and the tech and stuff like that. And I went to Harvard, but I really don't know how to connect with my employees. You know, you you're in a Tesla. I'm in I'm in I'm in a Honda. You know what I'm saying? I go to the yeah. south side. You go to the north side. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're different. And so, how can you think that someone can come down and match the level of another person so we can help them help each other grow? Not just like, hey, I'm helping you out, young man. It's like because the young man at the same time can teach the old man a new trick. Even yeah. a, even a, you can learn something from a baby. So when you always remain the student, you're always learning. It's when you stop learning, that's when you die in your plant. You gotta keep that water on. Yeah. I, I agree. Something that you just said. Um, and I will, and people think I'm crazy because I do say this, but I, I say it often. I didn't really learn that much in college. I just did what I needed to do, right? And I did well, but I did what I needed to do in college. But what I did learn is something that I didn't learn from a professor. I learned actually how to network with people and really get uncomfortable. I got out of my comfort zone to start talking to everybody. I said, I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to talk to this person. And, and, and really what I, I ended up creating my own network at, at, at the end of the day to where I can, I'm almost 10 years out now, right? I can connect with a couple of people. I have, I got about 10 different friends I can connect with 
if I ever needed a question, they can help me get to it, get to an answer, whatever I'm looking for. And, um, but I didn't learn it. You don't get a grade for that. You don't get a grade from, t- from talking to that person outside of class that's totally different from what you are and, and just really understand what is it that you really want out of this, right? And, um, and I think that's the big thing right there. You're right, because I think that allows us that ability to learn how to ask somebody, is there something I can teach you and is there something that you can teach me? You know, is being able to get uncomfortable, especially when you really believe in something that you really feel wholeheartedly in. That was a great point, though. That was a really good point. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of the books that I read talks about that in um, one of the coaching books. It's just like, yeah, you graduate from this high tech, you know, this big prestige school, but you have no way of engaging with your employees. You know, even when you start off, you're starting off on the wrong foot. You know, so you don't know the culture of your, your employees. You know, what they do, what they like. You know, I talked about myself. It's just like, I, I, I was calling all of my team members and just doing that mental check, you know, and they thought yeah. it was about the work. It's like, oh, am I, am I, am I production low? Am I not doing it? So, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm blocking off 15 minutes so I can just see how you're doing. We're, you know, we're not really yeah. checking with our employees to see how they're doing things mentally within a pandemic. Yeah. Everything is new. You know, being with the kids this long in the daytime is something new. Working from home is, is something new. The fact that you can't go and, and be do, do the things that you normally do is just something new. So the fact that we need to definitely work, see where they are at and to see if they want to talk about anything. And when I did that, one of the ladies was sick. She went home. She had a migraine. One of the ladies had one, uh, was working off an old laptop, and we didn't even know. They're ready to write her up because her production is low, but she's working on an old laptop. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like real quick to, oh, her production is low. Let's, let's give her coaching. Well, why, why are we going to give her coaching? We haven't even looked and seen what is even happening. Yep. But they quick to just be like, oh, let's go ahead and coach. Let's go ahead and write them up, put them on a pip, put them on a write-up, put them on this. We said, where is actually the coaching? Because you're in leadership, so you're supposed to coach your employees. You know, the yep. employees are there for you to do the job. You're there to coach your employees to make sure they're doing the job efficiently and well. So where is that coming in from? Let me, let me throw yeah. something out on that because what coaching really is, is developing people to uh, re- reach their peak potential, you know, uh, mm-hmm. helping people to really dig into who they are and what they're capable of, you know, helping people develop the wheelhouse, you know, so to speak. But that can only be done uh, when we uh, get people to understand that every time a conversation happens, it's not about, you know, your productivity or anything like that. It really is basically that I just need, I need to check in on you. I need to check on who you are, how you're doing. I need to, you know, do a post check on your morale. You know, I want to... uh, see, you know, what your thoughts are, you know, on the process of what's going on, you know, with what you're working on, you know, how is it affecting you at home? How is it affecting you as a person, you know, and not to say that we need to be cupcake, powder puff, you know, and sugarcoat shit, you know, because I definitely tell people in a minute, my name ain't Willie Wonka, I don't sugarcoat shit, I'm gonna keep it, you know, more honest and Amish, you know, but I'm not gonna make any type of, yep. you know, promises that I can't keep, but the one promise that I definitely know I can keep is to be genuine and organic in my connection with you. And yes. what that does is create that 
reciprocating uh, relationship, you know, of give and take, but also listening and hearing, you know, and I definitely feel that not enough of that does happen with us as a people, with us as employees and employers, and then also in the most important place of all within our homes, you know, because as we discussed earlier, uh, one of the main topics uh, with this, uh, and I call it propaganda pandemic, uh, but within everything that's dealing with COVID-19 and whatnot is about the pivot, you know, and as a coach, uh, Thurston, he, he could relate to this and we, you know, laughed and joked about it. But as a coach, you know, especially when basketball, when you're teaching kids or even working with adults, or whatever, sometimes you have to remind them to use their pivot. Things aren't going a specific way or in, a, in this direction. So we have to do what we have to pivot, right? In sports, you got to pivot sometimes to, you know, create ball security. Sometimes you have to pivot to change directions. You know, sometimes you have to pivot to actually see another outlet, right? To, to uh, acquire a different outcome, you know, and set of results rather than being stubborn and stuck, you know, and staying on that uh, carousel of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result, you know. So, if that, if, if that makes sense, but definitely, um, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that needs to be done uh, in order to create the networks and then also in order to create the pipelines, you know, uh, and part of that is big on, it has to be big on the coaching, you know, the culture of coaching itself, right? What am I doing for you? right? What do you need to be uh, done? What are you trying to accomplish? How can I help you accomplish this? You know, what is the end result that you're trying to get that I can help you get, you know? And then also at the same time, what are the circumstances that will change by us taking this action, right? And the action is number one, communication. I need to hear you first. I need to process what you're saying, and then I need to reply. And then most of the times we're dealing with folks that reply, you know, because they're listening for their turn to interject or they're listening for their turn to say something. They're not, they're not listening for, okay, this is what he's asking. This is what these people are discussing. And now that we have a solution, you know, here it is, or better yet, let me ask a few more probing questions so that we can really get down to the root of it and find out what solution we need to get to and you know we've been talking about you know networking and uh developing these resources and i just want i just want to go back to that um in building networks and building resources uh you know and i refer to chess a lot and also puzzles um because uh, when you look at it, everything every pretty much everything is a puzzle you know we're uh com complex and convoluted puzzles ourselves just as humans mm -hmm. not everything that we do with each other is going to connect uh, and create the bigger picture. We're going to have to have other elements and other people that connect on the multiple sides of who we are and our disposition and our character. So in creating these networks and in creating these resources, right, uh, do you feel and do you find that uh, we need to build or pique an interest into something that just may activate or motivate and stimulate someone to think in a different way that can set them on the right foot towards success. You know, and, and I'm asking that question, hoping that it doesn't take us, you know, off track or take us too far. 
you know, saying that we, you know, really didn't have a structure or anything that we wanted to, you know, go with. But, you know, if that makes sense, you know, uh, hit, hit on that if you can. I, I think um, part of it, yeah, I think you can build those resources and I think you have them. Right, and, 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 and it's really, we're asking how do we spark the interest? You gotta want to spark that interest within yourself. You gotta do it for, do for self, right? And I don't think we do enough of that. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people do enough of, of really finding what's interesting for them. Everybody wants to be interested in what they see or what's out there, what's materialized, but not so much of like, how do we get there? You know, and and so I would say, you know, at the end of the day, you really need to make sure we really, I think the resources are there. You got to get people to really come together. You got to get people to really talk it through of what they're really trying to sell and, and make it happen. I, I think that's what, I think that's at the, I think at the end of the day, that's what it does. I mean, yeah, because those resources are there. We're just not leveraging them. You're not, we're not leveraging the right networks. And, and, and it's not that we don't know how, we're just mm -hmm. choosing not to. We, we, we have a worldwide net. And, um, and those networks and resources are out there. We just choose not to go to them. Right. I, I definitely agree. You know, because not everybody's going to be the same. Let's say again. I'm sorry. No, I think that everything is definitely there. I just think that we have a hard time communicating uh, with each other. We don't know how to communicate. And it's right down communication. So when we have these conversations and we hear someone and we're trying to, you know, especially as a man, be vulnerable and talk to another man about something that we're definitely doing or have this idea, it's like the response back is kind of like, you don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Since we're I'm just going to keep it very frank, you don't really give a shit. So as I tell you, it's like, oh, I got, it's kind of like at your job. And I, and, I, and I bring this up with everyone all the time. When you ask someone how they're doing, you know what I'm saying? They're doing fine. I'm doing good. But are they really doing good? And if they even actually respond back and say, I'm not doing good, do you even care that they even told you that they weren't doing good? You know, that's the biggest thing. So do you do that when someone says, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Do you ever see like, are you really doing great? Or are you just saying that just to say that in bad time? And do you even care to even, not, do you even care for them to even tell you how they're doing? I would like to think, I would like to think that when I do ask them, they know I'm coming from a genuine place. And, and, and I think the conversations that I have with most people, they're really valuable conversations. Um, but I, I think not every leader is different, right? And I think certain leaders have intangible is really they lead with the heart. And, um, and I think it's important to really know your employees, right? And I think, and I make it, I make it a personal, uh, personal thing to know three things about every employee that works for me. And, and the reason why is because if, if they don't tell me, um, if they tell me that they're doing all right, and I'm like, well, I, I, I'm able to start probing. If they're saying family's the most important thing for them, I'm able to start asking, well, how's your family doing? And then right. sooner or later, I can get that information out of what's really going on. And um, because at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm, I've always told my team, I'm not your structured manager that's going to talk to you about statistics and data of what, where we're at. Yeah, we can talk about that, but that's not going to make you happy. I want to know what's going to make you happy at the end of the day and how you're going to get there 
And more importantly, what goals do you really actually have personally and professionally? So then when we do meet on a weekly basis, you know, 15 minutes of my conversation is not going to be about work. It's going to be about how are you doing from a personal side of it? And, um, and, and really you learn a lot from people when they tell you everything and when they tell you things about what's going on with, with their life and the world, because it, I think most leaders need to have most, most do most want to have it, but they don't is you need to have empathy. So, because then that way you can understand that you can be empathetic to the situation and what they're going through. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier, when you talked to somebody and they were having migraines because their computer wasn't accurate, right? And that, that, that's being empathy, empathetic to a situation when, re, when somebody's ready to write it up and you're like, well, hold on, it doesn't seem right. And they, they, you know, and this is why it doesn't seem right. You're able to really seek to understand and really, it goes far with an employee because uh, unfortunately, sometimes I know people are going to sugarcoat and smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. You know, just because they're afraid if they tell me what's really happening, they think that the consequences, these are going to be the consequences. But I hope I've created a, a forum and an open door policy that you can talk to me just about, with just about anything. You know, you can tell me that, you know, your dog died and I can probably relate to it and understand about it. Right, and that's that's the thing that I get a lot. It's like, okay, I heard that a lot from my upper management. You know, saying so you can talk to me, and I'm definitely here, and I definitely care. But that just seems mm-hmm. like something that you just generally say. That is, that is that that doesn't doesn't come off like you actually care, because that's just what everyone says. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. like, oh, you talk to me, it's just like to me. You, I guess uh, I don't really know you from a can of paint. You know, what I'm saying you can get that information, twist and bend it, and use it against me. So it's kind of like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but that still doesn't open the door to let me to go in there and bring you down to my level to make it seem to make sure that yeah. we're on the same page and we're communicating and moving forward. Because I hear that from all the time. You can open the door, you come talk to me when I come in there and, and go talk to these people in their offices. It's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's 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 interesting. I mean, definitely, you know, look into that or keep, you're on the right path, but they never really dive in and try to really help the situation. You know, put them themselves into my shoes and try to see and strategize and get a way out. And that's where I talked about um, as far as with the mentorship. But one thing that, that helped me out was the, the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the tips it said was seek to understand and to be understood. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And that's what I use. So it's like, hey, instead of just look at the data, I mean, look at this paperwork and this, or this, our screen and saying, hey, the numbers are low, but let's look at the data. You know, do they have a, a, a are it repetition? Are, are they always doing it? Is it a pattern or is it the one day? I saw it was one day when I was sitting with the individual, it was one day, but it flagged to the other upper management what was going on and they want to go ahead and do a coaching. But it was one day, it wasn't even a pattern. You know what I'm saying? I just think that, yeah, you went to school, but are you really applying the information? that you got from school or that you got from the book. You know, I talk to people about all these books. I go to all these management offices and they have the same books that I'm reading. So they have Simon Sinek, Start With Why. They have uh, Who Moved My Cheese. They have Holly, uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Successful Effective People. But when I go and go do the principles that are actually in the book, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yep. So let me ask, do they, when, when you first start, Right, and, and I might ask this a long time ago. Are they are they getting to understand you when you first come on? 
because I think a lot of employers what they what they where they miss the ball at is that you're you're not you're not hiring for a number you're hiring for it's like a relationship right and um and you really need to make sure who I'm working with is somebody that they're going to be motivated to want to do the job but then more importantly I'm going to be motivated enough to make sure I grow them because I know what what their goals are when they first come into it are they doing enough of that because because I don't I see it I'm seeing it from my end because I forced it right I forced those uncomfortable conversations, but I don't see it sometimes with a lot of people when I talk to them and they say, yeah, they're not, they don't really care about, about me because they think of, I'm, to them, I'm just a number, you know, I'm expendable. Are they asking those questions? Are they asking those questions when you first get in the door? Because at the end of the day, it's a match. It's a match for you and it's also a match for them. And, and if that match doesn't work out, it's quick to say, you know what? This is not gonna work. You don't wanna see me grow anyway. Are, are they doing that? I just want to no, I don't, well, the thing is, I've been through, you know, a lot of different management. And so there's one person that I really gravitated to. And that's really the person that gave me my shot. Because it was the same generic stuff every time I applied for a job. It's like, oh, man, you don't have the, uh, you, you, you have the uh, experience, but you don't have, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the, um, the, the schooling. Or it's just like, you know, you're missing one thing. You know what I'm saying? Or get more experience. Even when I started, even when I started applying for management positions, like man, you know the job is that you don't have experience. So it's like, okay, I'm working here in this company with you. You see how I'm interacting, working with people. How can I get the experience if I'm already doing the job? Should I quit this job and go to another job? It's like, how would I get that experience in manage, in management or where I'm trying to go if you're not putting me in place to get that experience? I would, for me, I would say every two years, right? If you don't see growth, I'd say three. I would say three. Every three years, if you don't see growth in the career that you're at, you got to really make that decision. Is this is this the right place for me to be at? And if it's not the right place, it's just not a good match, right? And and right. And, 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 and you know, and, and it's and that's the reality because if they don't want to, if they don't see a growth plan for me and they haven't been able to tell me within three years, I do not see a growth plan for you, then we're wasting each other's time at the end of the day. And, 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 and time is money at the end of the day, right? And I don't, I don't like wasting time, <laughs> you know? And, and I think those discussions don't happen enough. You know? Yeah, they don't happen don't enough. Happen I think that's what leads to people, you know, leaving the job, hypertension and stuff like that, because they don't really know how to someone from that level come into their shoes and show them a path how to get to the next level you know what i'm saying that's why i I learned about simon Sinek when he talked about you know start with why mentorship he said a good mentor is someone that can put himself in your shoes and give you a plan to get out not just looking in and be like oh man you should probably go talk to john up here or you should probably read that book but like will that take me out of my situation that i'm in right now and take me to the next level or that's just some gibberish you know, that you just want to tell me so I can get your office. And a lot of times, it is gibberish just to get the person out the office because you're not really leaving with a solid plan of what you can do after you let the person know your intentions and how you want to grow. Yep. Agreed, agreed. 
So, you know, that's just, that's just what, um, for my experience when I used to go to all these offices. Because, like, yeah. for me, before I got into my position, I went and sat with the CEO, the CFO, the vice, all the vice presidents at my company. I sat with regional directors at my company. It's like, how can I do this? How can I get in my situation? How can I do this? Well, go apply there. I, I got denied. I got denied and I got uh, rejected 15 times before I got into my management position. You know what I'm saying? 15 times I got denied. Do you think that it was the the risk? Do you think it was worth it? Or within that time frame, you could have been building on what you really wanted to it, it was worth it because there was no one in my company, my colors, and, and in a leadership position in upper management. There was one person, he got let go, and after that, there was no one black. I'll put it like that, no one black. Because he might be a minority, in my, and there was a dude that was uh, Middle Eastern. He works in IT, of course. <laughs> you know? And so he, he's a VP IT, but other than that, everybody else is too much white. For me, I made a, um, a, a message for myself to go ahead and decide. I want to go ahead and show these people like, hey, regardless of what people say, that's their reality. That's not your reality. You know how people saw me and people, what they thought about me was their reality. It wasn't my reality. And so when I took things into my own, I was able to go and set my goals. Like my reality is that I know I'm doing the research. I know when I go into these offices and talk to these individuals and talk to these VPs and general managers and executives, we're reading the same book. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking how you're thinking. I'm looking at the KPIs and everything like that, too. So I'm, I'm understanding this stuff, too. And so when I finally get, got in there, and it was like, hey, I, once you leave the job, your title doesn't travel with you. You know what I'm saying? Your, your title doesn't travel with you. You're just the regular person. So I see you outside, you're just John. You're not John from BP. And so when I looked at it from, from like that, I was like, hey, we're on even playing field. We're reading the same book. So how are you dissecting a book and, and applying it to yourself so you can maneuver and, and work the business? And it's just like a lot of times they just read, read the material, but they didn't really understand the material to, to apply it to the everyday business the way I was. So when I read something and I saw my communication and then saw when I communicated with someone that they had the eyebrows raised or they said, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I didn't ask them a question. Mm -hmm. What about I said made sense to you? Oh, so now I'm switching it. So I'm getting them to tell me it's going back and forth. Seek to understand it, to be understood. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. So, so that's what we, so, so I guess in a, in a long story short, it did make sense to me, but I reached that point in my life where I have, I achieve my goals. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. achieve my goals. I, I, I set a goal for myself to get to upper management. I went to upper management, and now my goal is to just leave the company. You know what I'm saying? Eventually. You know, I have, I have, I have a date in mind for myself, and so that's where I'm at. I'm like, hey, I, I, I'd rather be use my leadership and my coaching and all the skills that I got from the job that actually works and apply it to my own company, my own business, knowing that it actually yes, works. Now, I know I'm still I don't know what to say, Jamil. Yeah, I got it. Go ahead, Nick. I got to get ready. I have another. I have another call in about a few okay, more no minutes. Problem, man. But hey, man, no, I appreciate this. This has been great. Long, this is great. No, this is great. On YouTube, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a podcast. It's a blog. Everything is going to be uploaded, and I'll definitely send you some links. Yeah. So we, we really appreciate you coming on, man. And it was a wonderful blessing, you know, uh, meeting. 
and, and, and chit-chatting with you. And I'm pretty sure uh, we're going we're gonna to definitely get, get into it again and really go deeper in depth. Uh, as uh, and, and matter of fact, I may be calling on you again for uh, my podcast for Chapter and Chat. Uh, and if you get a chance to uh, check out Chapter and Chat, it's published on uh, several different podcast apps. Uh, and most of the people that have iPhones, uh, they go to Overcast. Uh, and if you want to, man, okay. hit me in the DM, man, and I'll shoot you a, a direct link. If you want to, you can just search for it, uh, and it'll come up on Google Cast, uh, Anchor, uh, Pocket Cast, uh, 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 Radio Republic, um, what else? Uh, I'm gonna connect y'all. And but but definitely on Overcast, uh, uh, it's on right now. So. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a great podcast that that's evolving and growing, uh, but it and it's dealing with a lot of many different issues. So, chapter chat, uh, you know, is dealing with the itself of self development, uh, uh, improvement in our lives as men, uh, as fathers, husbands, whatever you want to call it, and also just as people. Uh, so, uh, it would be great to have you as a guest on that. Uh, on that podcast as well one of these days man so uh but check it out man check it out it's an audio book podcast and uh we, we get into it uh pretty deep uh with the discussions man so uh i enjoyed our conversation today man it was a pleasure i'm gonna go ahead and let you go we're probably gonna wrap up in a little bit man because we got to drop our cigar review uh because we've been we, yeah. we've been smoking really great sticks man so <laughs> Uh, but until the next time, man, and we got we're gonna get you a, a, a something else other than that black and mild one of these days. Man. You just let us know, yes, sir. I mean, if we got a mail order, you know, and ship you something specific, you know, let us know. We got you. Smoking Sip LLC okay. is here for you, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right, yes, thank sir. You it was a blessing. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right, brother. Yeah, it was a blessing. I'll be connecting with y'all. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Indeed, indeed. Man, well, we are here at uh, Maduro's uh, Lounge in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, myself and my business brother, Thurston M. Smith, and we are having a wonderful time uh, on our Zoom uh, and our digital hearth. We hope everyone else uh, is really enjoying themselves, whether you had something to smoke and sip or whether you had neither. You know, we just hope that you enjoyed yourself. Uh, we uh, we apologize if we've you know taken too much time of somebody's uh, uh, time or anything like that. But hey, we 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 got into it. It was feeling good. And uh, man, right now, let me let me ask my my business bro a question. Man, what? Tell us a little something about what you're smoking on, man, because you you brought out something in the glass tube that has a wax seal and. Man, it looked something regal. Man, that that's what what is that? What is that? I didn't even unmute my microphone. So gotta be smarter than the equipment you're working with. That is true. <laughs> So, um, you know what, I, I have, the, I think it's a Gurkha here, it's, it's very nice, I'm going to actually be doing another review here all about my cigar on our other blog, we have a lot of stuff going on here, it's a podcast, blog, blog, meetup, 
everything. I and mean, I think, you know, it was the first time. So I know some people that were on here before jumped off because maybe it wasn't going to their liking when we first started. But this is the first one. This is our pivot. If we had the one where we actually met up at the cigar, cigar bar, I know it has, would definitely be different. But we're pivoting. So thank you for everyone for being patient with us. It's the first time working the Zoom, going live on the Facebook, going live on different platforms. We may have some, a little bit of technical difficulties getting everything going, but now we're definitely here. And I have the Gurkha is very good. I thought it was going to be a little bit sweeter. Um, during the dry run, uh, was it the dry run, dry puff? The dry draw, cool. I definitely tasted the bourbon doing that. But now, halfway through the cigar, it, 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 it went away, and it doesn't it taste like a regular cigar now. Nothing really special. It, I paid a, uh, paid a nice little penny for it. Nothing too big, but uh, definitely was looking for more of flavor uh, and more tasting the more bourbon. Definitely taste the, the creamy part right now, but everything else kind of went out the window for me. I'm usually... I usually like reading the reviews of the cigars and like, oh, I want to taste what they are talking about in the cigar, not playing a guessing game with my palate because I don't really know what leather tastes like. I don't, I don't eat leather, you know. I don't eat uh, nutmeg, you know. And just putting nutmeg in my mouth is not what I do. So I'm a more flavor person. I can taste, okay, all right. It's how I'm feeling, okay, and and that's how I get my reviews. You know, so when you hear me talk about, I'm talking about from my personal experience, not just giving you the the, the, the cigar jargon about, you know, the, the uh, all the other things, the flavors. I want you to give my own experience of the cigar. So, you know, you can go ahead and talk yeah, about yours. Cigars definitely uh, something that is, is always a personal experience. I mean, you know, you'll get uh, many different uh, uh, viewpoints on it. And a lot of the, and a lot of cigars that do have the many different flavor notes, uh, like that that he brought up, um, you can get a sense of those uh, by understanding uh, the flavor profile um, or what's called uh, a, uh, a flavor wheel uh, for a cigar, and it'll actually have different categories uh, of the cigar notes uh, that you'll get. You know, whether it'll be a plant. Uh, whether it be uh, gamey uh, or natural, herbal, uh, or even fruity. And they also even have uh, uh, profiles of grains and things like that. So um, on, our, on our blog, man, when we get ready to get into it and do it, man, we gonna, I'm going to hit y'all up about this one, man. Uh, it's the house stick here at Maduro's Enchantment, Arizona. Uh, proprietor is Brother Ron, and he has a wonderful establishment and has great outstanding service you know and that's one of my biggest things is always the customer service the camaraderie and the brotherhood and the fellowship uh when you're having a cigar because one thing about a cigar uh, a cigar will actually create a conversation and establish uh friendship uh whereas a drink it, it, it could be that a possibility but it doesn't have the same effect you know so thank you for joining we really appreciate everybody attending and watching Y'all stay, stay blessed, stay safe, and do what you gotta do. Peace. Love, peace, and soul. Check us out next week for Tobacco Talk Tuesday. Tobacco Talk Tuesday. We'll be having the information about our next location and other guests. Thank you for Nick White for jumping on here. 
join us today on our first official official tobacco box. Tobacco talk Tuesday. Dead three pounds fast. Official official tobacco talk Tuesday. All right, y'all have a good one. Take care.